This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247 and 247 Sports. I'm your host, Cody Goodwin, and joining me today, John Talty, senior writer for 247 Sports and our fearless leader at Bama 247. John, how you doing this morning, man? I'm doing great. I'm liking the energy out of you, Cody. I feel like that's hopefully going to be infectious here. I am, dude, I don't know about you, and we'll obviously get into this, but I am ready for live, actual, meaningful football games. I know Alabama didn't play week zero, um, but count me among the sickos because I am just very, very excited to watch college football. I'm tired of talking season. I'm ready to finally actually watch some ball. For sure. You know, um, it's it's nice to finally be back, you know, and I, I'm sure the season will, will be a blur once we get into it, but it feels like especially just all that's happened this offseason, realignment, NIL, all these different things have kind of taken away, I think, in some ways what we love about football. And so it's nice we can finally get that back. 100%. We're going to be previewing Alabama's offense today. We're recording this on a Thursday, August 24th, less than 10 days out from the Crimson Tide season opener against Middle Tennessee. I think I speak for everybody when, again, incredibly excited to finally watch some real ball. Um, but before we dive in, this is obviously a new podcast, part of a new website. Bama 247 launched on June 1, less than three months ago, where a bunch of new guys kind of, sort of, um, but I feel like with the first few shows, need some introductions. John, you're no stranger to the Alabama beat um, and the SEC as a whole. Give us a quick sketch, man. Where'd you come from, your path to 247, and your most memorable um, Alabama memory um, while on the beat? I mean, I think I'll answer that last one first. It's hard to beat second and 26, uh, being at that Alabama-Georgia National Championship game and, and just being being on the sideline as that moment happened and, and almost kind of being in shock for a second to, you know, did I just see what I thought I saw? And then the pandemonium of people running on the field and celebrating and and trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do to write about? How am I going to adjust? Uh, so that's it's hard to top that one for me. That was uh, – that was a pretty special moment, I think, for Alabama fans in particular. Uh, but for me, yeah, I've been in Alabama for, I think, nine plus years now. I spent a couple of years in, in Mississippi. So I've been around the SEC, covering the SEC for a decade plus. I uh, was at the Clarion Ledger in Mississippi, was at AL.com and uh, Birmingham News for a while um, here in Birmingham and you know made the switch to 24-7 uh, June 1. So it's been exciting to get to know you, Cody, get to know some of the other parts of our team. And I feel like we've uh, hit the ground running. I feel like we're in a good spot right now in terms of uh, games finally being here. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, I'm Cody, um, as I said at the top, originally from Kansas City, um, have spent the last decade in the state of Iowa, though. Went to the University of Iowa, wrote for the Daily Iowa, and spent a year at the Ames Tribune, and spent the last seven years at the Des Moines Register, where I primarily covered wrestling, um, as well as high school sports recruiting, occasional spot coverage for Iowa and Iowa State football. Um, obviously, I'm the new, new guy here coming from Big Ten, Big 12 country. Um, 
So not a ton of memorable Alabama coverage memories, but I'll actually give you two. Um, so first, we very closely followed Rosh Pierschbacher, Cedar Falls native, when he played for Alabama 2014 through 2018. Um, his story is pretty well told by now. One time Iowa recruit flipped to Alabama before his senior season, went on to play in four consecutive national title games for Nick Saban. Um, but the second one, we got to see the first part of potentially Rosh Pierschbacher 2.0 last fall. Uh, Caden Proctor, five-star offensive tackle from Des Moines, flipped his commitment from the Hawkeyes to Alabama right after his senior football season. Um, so now he's down here in Tuscaloosa battling to be Alabama starting left tackle right away as a true freshman um, to clear up any rumors. No Proctor and I were not a package deal. He committed, signed and moved down here uh, before I did long before I did, but Hey, pretty cool to watch his prep career up close. And now we'll get a front row seat to what is shaping up to be a pretty special college career as well. I imagine we'll be talking about Caden Proctor on today's show, um, but that's who we are. Um, we'll probably do more of these, um, introductions i suppose in some of these earlier shows we'll make sure to weave in mike rodak brett greenberg even kirk mcnair give them all proper introductions um because like you mentioned we'd all been working since june uh, but now that we've got the, the the podcast off the ground you'll hopefully from hearing uh be hearing from all of us on a pretty regular basis moving forward um but let's uh let's go ahead and just dive into today's show john uh very first question what's the uh what's the biggest question you have about alabama's offense entering the 2023 season there's a lot um i think you know, there's certainly been uh, just a little bit of coverage around the quarterback battle. So, I mean, I think that's an easy <laughs> one to uh, to start. But to me, you know, I've been kind of hammering this point, so I'm just going to stick with it. To me, it's still the wide receivers. You know, I think that was really something that limited the ceiling of that Alabama team last year. You know, Bryce Young, clearly an incredible quarterback, but just did not have enough dudes to – you know, be able to maybe maximize what he, he was capable of doing. And just, again, I've just the lack of separation, just the lack of that home run threat, I think really kind of limited what should have been, in my opinion, a, a national championship type team last year for Alabama. So I still have questions. Clearly drops have been an issue. We've gotten that those reports out of, uh, you know, out of the scrimmages, Nick Saban, you know, has clearly been, I think, concerned about it, you know, said that he thought after the most recent scrimmage, they were a bit better, but to me, that's that's a position that if that can't be impact, if they can't make things happen, nobody at quarterback is going to be as good as Bryce. And so that, to me, I think it's just going to really limit what they can do offensively if they're not able to take a step forward in that area this year. You know, it's funny. People bring up the drops all the time, and they were obviously a problem last year, 23 drops um, last season in total. Um, year before that? They actually had more uh, 2021 season the year. They actually got to national title game, 32 drops. Um, I know they had an extra game, but that just seems like, you know, nine extra drops based on what, well, I guess it would have been two extra or yeah, just one extra game, um, you know, but so then 2020 the year, they actually won the title. They had less than 20 drops. I think they finished with 19 that year. So, um, you know, kind of hovering around that, you know, low twenties uh, early or, you know, high teens mark when it comes to drops. So not, not something that they haven't faced before, but yeah, I, that, that I mean, but to be weird. honest, like I'm not as, I mean, the concerns are the drops are a concern, but that to me is not even the biggest concern. I think the biggest concern is who is your alpha wide receiver? Who is the guy that you can go to who you can count on to beat a guy off the line and make a move. And I think there's guys who are talented who can do that, but like, you know, two years ago, Jameson Williams was that guy, you know, and they had John Mechie who was just a really, really good route runner really good wide receiver I don't know who that guy is this year and so I think the drops clearly a concern I think that is an issue but like to me it's more of just like who is the dude and I, I don't 
I don't know who it is. I really don't. I mean, I think there's c- candidates for it, but I, I don't know who it is offhand. Who could be the dude? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's Jermaine Burton. I think that he's a good – I think he has the potential to be a good wide receiver. I don't think he's a true number one. I've been in the Ja'Cory Brooks camp in the past just because I think we've seen flashes of it, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Malik Benson. I mean, there's some different guys that I think you can – Isaiah Bond. I mean, there's some different guys that I think you can maybe, you know, talk yourself into. Kendrick Law had a good day in the scrimmage the other day, but – I don't know. I mean, I, what do you think? I mean, who's your who's your pick at this point? I, I don't know if I have a clear cut number one besides Brooks was the guy I made the, you know, the argument for. Yeah, um, I, Brooks is a good candidate. I, I like Malik Benson. I like the fact that, you know, even though Saban has talked at length after the last, you know, after the two scrimmages about, you know, drops being an issue, um, you know, he gave Malik Benson quite a bit of praise after the second scrimmage, said that he's playing a lot faster with a lot more confidence. Um, he's kind of built in the same mold as a Ja'Cory Brooks. So, you know, could they be battling for, you know, that starting Z position? Could Benson overtake him for some, you know, first team snaps? Um, I think I agree with you that Burton's probably not the guy that's just, that's just not his game, right? He just seems like a very solid number two. And, sure. um, you know, he, I mean, he could be a guy that, you know, he just plays on the opposite side. He seems like he's, you know, a, a, a more of a possession type receiver who can take more of those underneath routes. Um, I'm very curious to kind of see what they do with the slot. Do they put Malik Benson in the slot since he seems like he's a big, big play guy? You know, I know it's a junior college, but, you know, 22 yards per catch over two years, it's pretty good sample size. I would think that that's a guy that can, you know, find ways to be explosive. I, you know, the other interesting thing about, you know, who's going to be the alpha receiver is that new offensive coordinator, uh, Tommy Reese. I know it's not his offense per se, but guy, he's got a proclivity of uh, using using tight ends. Right. Um, and I think we've seen hints here that, you know, if there's not going to be an alpha receiver, if they're not going to go three or four receivers wide, um, you know, cause it doesn't seem like they're going to be running too many spread concepts this year. Um, how much will some of the tight ends eat into that target share? Right. You know, I know we've heard a lot about Amari Nyblack. We've seen Danny Lewis go through some warmups and stuff with the ones, um, you know, they went into the portal and got CJ Dupre. Um, you know, I think that, I don't know if that'll, take away from an alpha receiver, so to speak. Cause I think if you're the dude, you're going to get your targets, but be kind of curious to see how they fold those guys into the offense. Well, and to your point, I feel like a, you know, a good chunk of last season, last season, Cameron Latou was probably the guy that Bryce young trusted the most. It felt like he was the guy he kind of looked for on those, you know, third and six type situations. So, you know, I think if you can have multiple tight ends, which it feels like they do right now that can make impact plays, you know, Nick Saban referred to, Amari Nyblack is a, is a mismatch type player. And I think there's truth to that. You know, yeah, you can find ways to scheme, scheme them to, to get open and do some different things. So I think that is something that could be a strength on this team. And I think it can ameliorate some of the issues you might have um, at receiver. I just think it's, haven't been around this Alabama program for a while. I think we're just accustomed to there being a clear number one. You know, I think you, you start Julio, to Amari Cooper, to Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith. And obviously there were a lot of good ones when Devonta was here, um, but just felt like there was that guy you knew, all right, when they need that big play, they go to him. And just last year, we didn't have it. And this year, you know, we'll, we'll see if somebody can develop. Yeah. Uh, one note on Cameron Latu, two years in the program, 12 touchdowns, 11 of those touchdowns came in the red zone. So, you know, can Dupre be that big body guy that kind of a one for one replacement for, you know, that type of target since it seems like Nye Black and Lewis might be more, um, you know, guys that they probably stretch the field with a little bit more in terms of that mismatch style. I think the one big question I have, and I 
you know, going to take the low hanging free here. I think it's the quarterbacks. Um, if only because Saban has been outward in his, you know, he understands how important quarterbacks are in today's game. Um, he's had a tremendous run of quarterbacks with Hertz, Tua, Mac Jones, two years of Bryce Young. Um, you know, they don't have another dude like that currently walking through the door that we've seen. Um, but everything we've heard suggests that it's probably going to be either Milrow or Ty Simpson. I think Tyler Buckner is probably going to get some snaps in the first game as well, but it seems like he's at, at least a half step behind the, the top two guys. Um, you know, I'm just really curious to see how it's going to shake out, right? Like we just, you know, Saban's really not given us a whole lot of inclination. I mean, I know he said earlier this week that, you know, the quarterback battle starting to take shape a little bit, or at least, you know, who they think are going to be, you know, maybe the two front runners are the guys that are going to get the most snaps in the first game. But um, I'm just curious to see how that plays out, um, how they fold into, you know, the quote unquote new offense, how they're able to kind of balance all these um, new pieces around them and, and ultimately what they do with it. Right. Because it's, I don't know that he's looking for, you know, Saban, I don't know that he's looking for Jake Coker essentially, but I think he would take that this year. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's the most interesting quarterback battle since 2016, maybe 2015. I mean, there just hasn't really been a real one since then. It's been more clear cut. There have been a couple of times where we thought we might get one and we just we didn't, um, you know, because of various different reasons, guys being entrenched. And even the Tua versus Jalen Hurts battle, I mean, I think everybody thought Tua was going to win that one after winning the national championship. So, yeah, I mean, there's some real questions about, you know, how, and we'll, I'm sure, get into this more, but like, you know, who you choose and what you're able to do offensively with that person and, you know, how, how much of a step back are, are you taking from last year and, and, you know, what can you do to best utilize that person's skill set? Cause I think what's interesting is that you look at the main options, they're all different. You know, they all have some similarities, but there's a lot of differences too. And so, you know, you could design different offenses or different approaches with each of those different guys. And I think what's been important um, that Nick Saban, I think, has hammered on a couple of times is that and I think to our credit, I think we've said similar things like just because somebody is going to have to start that first game does not mean that the battle is over. So I think right now, if you you had to make a prediction, you would say Jalen Milrow is going to be the guy who gets that first snap in the middle of Tennessee State game. But will he be the first guy? to get a snap in the Texas game. I don't know. I don't know if Nick Saban knows that hundred percent. Is he going to be, is Jalen Miller going to be the guy starting the last game of the season against Auburn? I definitely don't know that. So I think this one, it could be a little bit more up in the air until a guy really kind of wins and takes the job. And we, we saw that happen in 2015 where it took Jake Coker a couple of games and really took them starting Cooper Bateman against Ole Miss. And when they lost that game, Jake Coker came in, and really kind of showed something in the second half. And that's when he won the job and he was the guy the rest of the way. I think we could see some back and forth this season too. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see how it plays out. It's, you know, the, the, the quarterback position I know is the story of this Alabama offense, but I think it's also primarily the reason why I'm just, I'm ready to watch the games. I'm ready to see what these guys got. I'm ready for, you know, I'm ready for the tryout quote unquote, to kind of see what ultimately they are able to bring to the table. Um, if Alabama succeeds this season, and we're talking 11 and 1, 12 and 0, they reach the SEC championship game, they qualify for the college football playoff. What went right with the offense? Well, I'll go with the low hanging fruit here. I mean, they picked the right guy at quarterback. I think that's that's a big part of it because I think, you know, there's kind of that classic thing if you've got multiple quarterbacks, do you have any quarterbacks, right? And so I think that's part of 
part of the challenge I think is going to be is that if you don't have a clear cut number one, you know, how do you make, how do you take a guy, make him your starter and build his confidence where he's not looking over his shoulder every time he makes a bad play. Right. So I think there's some real kind of managing that's going to have to take a you know effect here between Tommy Reese and Nick Saban of eventually, again, you want to build toward having the guy that by the end of the season, you, you're peaking at the right moment. And I think for Alabama, it might be, it's both an opportunity and also a real challenge to get Texas week two, because I think, you know, it's going to, you're throwing guys into the fire and maybe by the end of that Texas game, you know who your guy is. I think the downside is you could easily lose that game because you don't know who the guy is heading into it. And that would be, you know, my concern as an Alabama fan is, you know, if you have a loss by week two, it just becomes a high wire act the rest of the season. So that's, that's going to be a real challenge for them. But yeah, I think for me, whoever they decide is the guy, can they build him up that by the end of the season, again, we'll go back to Jake Coker. By the end of the season, Coker was playing pretty well. They figured out what their offensive identity was. It was a lot of Derrick Henry. Had a great game in the national championship game with O.J. Howard and multiple big play opportunities. You know, that's, that's I think, kind of the path for this team if they're going to go all the way. Yeah, I think there's there, there's there's a world where this offense, you know, because you look at, you look at the way it's laid out. They, they have dudes. I know we talked about maybe not having an alpha receiver, but they got a lot of capable guys. Um, you know, there are some high ceilings there. I think they can do a lot of different things with that personnel. We've talked about the tight ends, the offensive line heard nothing but great things about that, that group through fall camp. Um, there's an opportunity here for, you know, if the right guy is at quarterback and they're able to kind of mold the offense around him, whether it's Milrow, whether it's Simpson, whether Ty Bu- Tyler Buckner comes out of nowhere and wins the job. Um, that there's a lot of different things here. And I, Saban's kind of alluded to that too. I mean, a lot of his quotes have been, you know, they, they want a guy who's going to make good decisions. They want a guy who's going to make timely decisions. They want a guy who's just going to get the ball and distribute it, which, you know, you start thinking, okay, are they looking for more of a game manager role? But, you know, I, we've seen, you know, the one open practice we got to see and, you know, a handful of the scrimmages that we've heard, um, you know, Ty Simpson, for example, not afraid to tuck it and run it, not afraid to, you know, that quarterback option able to keep the ball and, and run downfield a little bit. Um, you know, so can, can they mold this offense that seems to have a lot of really nice pieces around the quarterback? Um, and then obviously the whole turnover thing. I know that that's a really big thing with Jalen Milrow. Um, can't turn the ball over in Nick Saban's offense. Um, I have a feeling if he turns it over at all in week one, he it's, it'll be a very short leash. I know it's middle Tennessee, but you know, I think it'll be a short leash just because Saban just kind of wants to continue to impress on those guys. Like, Hey, like if you make mistakes, you will cost us in the bigger moments and we can't have that here. So um, another interesting part about week one is just kind of how are they going to divvy up the snaps when I guess when it comes to quarterbacks. So, um, you know, I, there's a, there's a lot to like about the offense, but I guess I'm just, I'm really curious how they put the whole puzzle together. And if they put it together in the right way, I think there's, there's an opportunity here for a pretty special season. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you, you know, you make a smart point there that I think if if there's not a guy who is head and shoulders better than the rest, I think the tie goes to the guy who you trust the most to not make major mistakes. And I think that's I think it's a real question of all of these guys, honestly. And I think that's probably a, a reason why they brought in Tyler Buckner, you know, because I think both Milrow and Simpson have struggled at times with their consistency, struggled at times of making, you know, maybe the smart, more conservative decision rather than taking a shot and leading to a turnover. Uh, you know, you had a good story earlier this week about Jalen Milrow and, you know, 
the Texas A&M game, there were ups and downs, but the downs of multiple turnovers, that's something that's really going to bother Nick Saban. And so if they lean into more of an old school Alabama team, which we think there's, you know, there's been a lot of talk this offseason. That's what it's going to be like. More defense, more running the game, offensive line, you know, stronger, overpowering more. Well, when Alabama had a lot of success doing that, they had quarterbacks who didn't make bad decisions or they tried to limit their bad decisions as much as possible. And so, you know, to me, I don't know who the safest of the three is right now. Uh, I think all of them, again, have some some challenges in that area. But I think that's what I would look for in that middle middle Tennessee State game, like you said. Does anybody make a bad mistake? How quick do they get the yank? How many guys are getting rotated in? I think all three probably play. Uh, but, you know, what's what's the rep breakdown? All these things, you know, we just don't know yet, but I think will tell us a lot. I think we're going to know a lot after the first game. Yeah, yeah, which I think, you know, you think about the the three quarterbacks here. Um, you know, I know Buckner has started on and off for Notre Dame the last few years. I know he was hurt a lot last year. Milrow obviously got some, some pretty heavy run last year. Um, but think about this for a moment. Um, Jalen Milrow played 192 snaps last year, played in eight games, um, played the majority of the Arkansas game after Bryce got hurt, started and played the entirety of the Texas A&M game. But two seasons, 225 snaps. That's about three games worth in two years. It's just not a lot. Um, and then Ty Simpson's even fewer, right? 30 total snaps last year while he was redshirting. Like, we just don't know what these guys have, right? Like, I mean, we've got an idea about Milrow, and, and fair or not, a lot of – you know, people's opinion of him comes from that Texas A&M game where, like you mentioned, high highs and low lows. Um, Simpson, we have no idea because the vast majority of his 30 snaps last year, I mean, he went four for five passing. Cool. Most of it was in mop-up duty. Like, I mean, we just Simpson, we're going purely off pedigree, I think. You know, it's yeah. five-star guy coming in. He's the most highly regarded coming in. Son of a college head coach, you know, was kind of groomed to be that guy. That, that's what I think people like Ty Simpson. And there's, you know, like a size. I think he's probably got the best arm of those three, but you're right. I mean, it's extremely small sample sizes for all of these guys, you know, and, and Buckner too. I mean, our, our colleague, Mike Rodak, I think had a good story. Like he really hasn't played that much either, you know, I mean, between uh, COVID kind of taking away a season, you know, kind of playing a little bit and getting hurt. I mean, they're just, we have not, there's not a lot of film to break down on really any of these guys. And of the little we've seen, again, I mean, Buckner is a good example, too. There are some high highs and there are some low lows. And so that's I think it's why all of you know the fan base is probably a bit nervous about the position because there's not that glowing highlight tape for any of these guys that you can say, all right, he's clearly the dude. I will say this, though. Um, one more stat before we move on to the next question. Like my numbers here. Um, Jalen Milrow last year, limited action, but. Um, pro football focus. Um, I know feel, people feel some type of way, but I like to use it contextually. They track a stat called turnover worthy plays. Jalen Milrow had a turnover worthy play rate, which is, you know, interceptable passes, not protecting the ball when you're running. He had a turnover worthy play rate of 10.2% last year on 70 dropbacks. It's not great. Not um, great. <laughs> that would have led the country based, you know, among all quarterbacks that had 70 dropbacks last season. Um, but Here's something else too. Bryce Young played 114 snaps in the 2020 season, backing up Mac Jones. He had a turnover-worthy play rate that year of 10.7%. He ended up being pretty good. I'm not saying Jalen Milrow is Bryce Young. 
What I am saying is maybe more reps and more confidence that comes with more reps, whether it's Milrow, whether it's Ty Simpson, maybe that could lead to good things. I don't know if it leads to -to back-to-back 3,000-yard seasons and a Heisman Trophy, but... I don't think it does, to be honest, but that might be a bold take. I think it's, I don't think he's going to be quite as good as Bryce, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point for sure. And, you know, again, I think I go back to the point I made earlier, like you mentioned the confidence, like, I think that's going to be really important. Like, you know, Nick Saban's kind of made the point over and over again, like somebody has got to basically take this job. And I agree with that, but I do think it's, it's, it's challenging to manage a quarterback room of that many guys in it who think they can play and are good enough to play. You know, we've seen it again, 2016, 2015, I think is a good example where they had a lot of guys and there were some ups and some downs. And in 2016, we saw Blake Barnett start the first game. Jalen Hurts takes the job, and then Blake leaves midway through the season. Like it's, it's hard to manage egos. It's hard to manage uh, that, that room. And so that's going to be, I think a real challenge. And I think it's a challenge they can certainly accomplished, but it'll be a challenge this season. 100%. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, that's if Alabama succeeds this season. If Alabama fails this season, 10 and 2 and you miss the SEC title game, 9 and 3 and you miss a New Year's Six Bowl, all of that I think is absolutely on the table this year. What went wrong with the offense? I mean, I think it's some of what we've already hit on. Um, but I think if we go, I mean, I think if we build a doomsday situation, I think it's they pick the wrong guy at quarterback or really none of them are good enough to do it. The receivers don't take that step forward the way we want them to. The offensive line isn't quite as good as has been hyped up this offseason. I mean, you think about there are still real questions about the offensive line. I think talent-wise it's better than last year, but, you know, does Caden Proctor struggle his first year? Is he overwhelmed? Is he not fast enough laterally to be able to stop some of the good pass rushers in the SEC? That would be a question. And then, you know, if you want to go full on doomsday, it's that for all the hype the running back room has gotten, that there's not a true number one there. That that to me is the there's not the Derrick Henry, Najee Harris type, Josh Jacobs. It's kind of all these guys are pretty good, but none of them are great. That to me is kind of the, it all goes wrong for the offense this year. Yeah. I I think you start, you know, if you want to paint the worst picture for Alabama this year, I think you start with injuries, um, which injuries in the running back room. I know they've been small and Saban hasn't really been outwardly worried about it, but like both Jam Miller and Justice Haynes haven't been a hundred percent through camp. They've been small things like a quad bruise and a quad contusion. So like nothing super scary, Um, but just, you know, something that's like, okay, like that's two of them. That's a trend, right? Um, the offensive line, I think I'm very curious to kind of see that left tackle battle, Caden Proctor, Elijah Pritchett, 
Um, you know, I think Saban's kind of forcing some potential issues there. I know after the last scrimmage, he told us that he moved Tyler Booker over to left guard. Um, he got playing time at both guard spots last year. So I think that that was probably a good move overall, but really to help either Proctor or Pritchett sounds like more Proctor than Pritchett, just because Proctor's gotten a lot more run with the ones um, just communication calls, confidence, that sort of thing. Um, I am curious if that's going to be a permanent thing or if that's just, you know, Hey, let's get the freshmen through maybe the Texas game and then let's see how they do against South Florida. Um, you know, that's, then you do you move Booker back over to right guard next to Latham. Um, you know, that'll be kind of something interesting to monitor there. Um, receiver drops continue. Um, the tight ends aren't nearly as dynamic. And then obviously, you know, we've, we hit on the quarterbacks, right? Like if they continue to turn the ball over, if nobody becomes an alpha, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's that, I think that could probably potentially lead to worst case scenario. It's so funny. Um, you know, I'm coming from big 10, big 12 country where like, you know, if I were Iowa state go nine and three, they are partying in Ames and Iowa city, but nine and three down here in Tuscaloosa is like do or die. That's not good enough. Um, I think just kind of learning the contrast between those two things has been really, really funny. Um, as an, aside. I mean, they haven't they had have... a three loss season since 2010. Right. So, I mean, it's, that is absolute worst case scenario for Alabama. Um, and it just, they're just not used to it, obviously. And I think it's, I think it's a challenging schedule. I still, you know, three losses is still feels like they're better than that. Um, but you know, the other thing I'm thinking about now is, and it kind of ties in all of what we're saying. It's just like, where did the explosive plays come from, right? You know, who, like, who's the guy who's going to break it for 60 yards, who's going to have that big play that, you know, breaks open a game. And again, I'll keep going back to 2021. Like, Jameson Williams was such a revelation for Alabama. And just the ability to, you know, they take a shot and they're firing, a, you know, one right back with Jameson, you know, a 60-yard slant or kind of a run and go. And I just, I don't know who that guy is. And I think that when you don't have that, you know, it can limit your offense. It can kind of make it easier for defenses to, to game plan against you. And I think the way the SEC has changed in terms of the offensive firepower, you know, you look back to last year, Alabama, Tennessee, I mean, they're just throwing haymakers at each other all game. Like who's the guy who can throw a haymaker for Alabama? That, that would be kind of part of my question that like, if they're trying to keep up with a Texas and Ole Miss, some of these other, potentially high-powered offenses, who can do that for them? That, that would be – they don't have that answer. That would be, I think, part of the, the worst-case scenario for them. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, if this team is going to go 11-1 and or 12-0, and if they're going to get to Atlanta, if they're going to get to the college football playoff, um, you know, think of it Think of it this way, right? Like, we know they're going to want to run the ball. We know the, the running backs are probably going to be heavily involved in the offense, which means defenses are probably going to stack the box against them, right? That means those receivers are going to have a lot of one-on-ones. Can you beat your guy? Can you make the play? Can you catch the ball deep when they decide to go deep to keep defenses honest? If they can't do that, if Malik Benson can't take the top off, if Ja'Cory Brooks can't take the top off, um, it's going to be a long season, right? It's going to be a long season with a lot of heavy boxes. Those running backs are not going to have a lot of lanes to run through. You're going to be relying a lot on the offensive line. And again, I know we've heard a lot of good things, but there's going to be only so much you can do. That's, that's what I think really curious about one, you know, quarterback snaps in the first game and two, like how do they play against Texas? Texas had a pretty good pass rush last year. Um, I, they're still a very loaded roster this year. That's going to be the first true test for the offense as a whole, for the team as a whole, right? Because Texas's offense is really, really good, but um and the offense break big plays. I think that's a really good point. If they can break big plays, they can keep defenses honest. It'll open more holes for the run game. It'll open up a lot more for the offense. They can be a more versatile unit. 
Um, it's a very important point. And, you know, Jamison Williams was that guy. Who's going to be that guy this year? Um, that's interesting thing to monitor through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, and I'll add one final point here that, you know, as I don't want people to think we're being solely negative here. Like At the end of the day, Alabama is more talented than 99% of the teams in college football, right? So the, we're kind of – we're picking nits here, and I think that there, there are some real questions about this team. But, like, they are still going to be better than a lot of teams. It's just about whether some of these guys who we think are very talented can take that next step, you know? And I think that that's – the, the, the margins have gotten a little smaller. You know, we've seen some teams rise up in the SEC, but they're still, you know, they're not going to finish at the bottom half of the SEC West. Like they are going to be, they're still my pick to win the SEC West. I still think they have a very good chance to go to the college football playoff, all of those different things. But there are some questions about this and that's kind of what we're getting at here. Yeah. Well, I, when, when the standard is SEC title game, college football playoff, national championship every year, those margins make the difference. Why? Right. We saw it last year against LSU, against Tennessee, you know, those small margins make a huge difference, you know, in the same way, they made a pretty big difference in the Texas game, in the Texas A&M game. Like they were able to win those games. I mean, they were a couple plays away from eight and four. They were also a couple plays away from 12 and zero. Yep. Um, so that's just, that's Alabama fans. I think understand that that's the microscope that this team is under if they want to get to where they want to go. For sure. Um, next question, breakout candidate or the guy you're most excited to watch on Alabama's offense this year. You know, I've tried to think about this. I think we've hit on some of them already. Um, so I'll, you know, I think one of either whether it's Malik Benson or Mari Nyblack, I think one of those guys is going to break out. I think they're two, you know, Mari was here last year, but obviously didn't do a ton. Malik, as you mentioned earlier, junior college transfer, you know, who's gotten some pretty high praise from, from Nick Saban, uh, especially recently. I think one of those guys is going to, I think going to do some good things. seems like both are having strong fall camps. So those are probably my picks. And again, I, I just, I think that's also an area where they need a guy to really break out. And so I just think somebody is going to have to figure it out. Somebody's going to make it work. And I think those are two guys that I like to, to potentially do that. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm going to lean all the way into Amari Nye Black, Danny Lewis, CJ Dupre, the, the tight end room. I think, you know, if Alabama's hell bent on running the ball, like they say they are, um, Multiple tight end sets, which, you know, that's right up Tommy Reese's alley. I know they don't have Michael Mayer in that room, which is who we had at Notre Dame at tight end. But, um, you know, that I think that can really help because, one, that gets you more big bodies on the field. Um, so when you want to run the ball more, you've got more big bodies there in the run game that can block, um, but also sets up the play-action pass. It sets up, you know, 12 and 13 personnel. I know I've been kind of harping on that a little bit. But, you know, if those tight ends, not only in the run game but in the pass game too, if they can become major weapons as pass catchers um, – that can absolutely help the offense as a whole. It just makes them that much more dynamic. And I think, you know, Tommy Reese, who's, you know, clearly knows how to scheme up tight ends. Um, they've been very positive about the tight end room. Obviously, Amari Nyblack had a really good first scrimmage. Um, they went into the portal and got C.J. Dupre, who, you know, that's a guy that they really like. There's just a lot of different bodies in that room who can do a lot of different things. And I think, you know, if they find ways to use those guys um, – that type of personnel set can really just, I think, become advantageous for Alabama this season. So I'm with you. I'm leaning all the way into the tight end room. Um, maybe it's the Big Ten in me that's just like, yes, I need to see more of this. But I really do think it can be a, a weapon for Alabama this year if they use it right. I agree. I do think it's both. I think it's. I think it absolutely be a weapon. And I also think it's the Iowa and you coming out and just badly wanting <laughs> to see some tight ends do something. <laughs> um. Let's wrap up here, man. One one random or bold prediction from you on Alabama's offense for the 23 season. 
I'm just trying to think of what I want to do here. You know, I, I've been, I was at, at Buford high school, Buford high school recently. I've been kind of hyping up. I think that by the end of the season, heading into next season, I think we are all hyping up justice Haynes, the freshman running back. I think he's the future at that position for them. I think he's, you know, he's been a little banged up this fall camp, but I think by the end of the season, I think we're saying, wow, this is the next great Alabama running back. That's, all right. I mean, I, latest death chart projection. I had him, I think fourth, um, you know, I, behind, you know, start with Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, Jam Miller. Jam's had a really, really good fall camp. Um, and then Justice Haynes, but Hey, spectacular a day performance. I know that Saban's been really high on him. Um, absolutely entirely possible that he could just climb up the depth chart and get more carries and more touches. Really. I think as the season goes, I like that pick. I think my bold prediction, um, I think Jalen Miller is going to be the guy. Um, I think he's going to iron out with, with more reps. He'll get more confidence. He'll iron out those mistakes. He will, you know, I, and I think, you know, just the combination of his speed, he's got arm strength. Can he work on his deep ball accuracy? We'll see. Um, but I just think just his overall playmaking ability um, is going to strike a level of fear in opposing defensive coordinators that I'm not sure that Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson can do. Um and I think that can be a game changer for Alabama in a lot of these bigger games, right? You're going to need guys who can make big plays. We've seen him have capability of that. Multiple explosive runs against AM and Arkansas last year. Um, the arm strength's clearly there. I know through the last couple of scrimmages, he's had some pretty deep throws that his receivers have dropped. Um, but, you know, clearly all the tools are there. Um, I think as the season goes, he will slowly put things together. I'm not saying he's going to be in New York in December. Um, but I think he can be, I think he'll end up being QB one. And I think he'll end up being a pretty big game changer for Alabama and a lot of those bigger games. And, um, you know, who knows? I, I think they're going to get the double digit wins this season. Um, I don't think it's all going to be on the quarterback, but I think he's absolutely going to help them in big moments in big games this season. That's my bold prediction. Um, that's Alabama's offense, man. Um, got anything else you want to get off your chest before we sign off here? No, just excited to do this with you, Cody. Excited that we're going to rotate, you know, different people on this podcast in the future and just ready to get this thing going. Absolutely. That's all we've got today. Appreciate you guys listening to Roll Pod. We'll be back next week to discuss Alabama's defense and then hopefully again to break down Alabama's season opener against Middle Tennessee. We're less than 10 days out, guys. Super excited. Until then, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.